Amen. Why don't you give God some praise as you take a seat this morning? Amen. Thank you, team, so much. Man, it is great to be with you guys this morning. Uh, I'm always thrilled to get to stand and uh, teach and uh, us just gather together. I will say I was equally thrilled last week to just be able to sit on the front row and just worship and, you know, soak it in. So that was nice. And Pastor Andy did a tremendous job. Amen. Uh, with that teaching. And uh, I think it will be interesting to you how what Andy taught as he walked us through uh, that particular parable of Jesus, how it sets the table really beautifully for where we're going to be together for the next several weeks as we dive into a brand new series to kick off the year. But before we get there, uh, to kind of get us going and um, get an idea of what it is we're talking about for the next few weeks, I got a question for you. I know we're pretty diverse in terms of background and where we come from geographically because uh, Southwest Florida is kind of, uh, you know, people coming from all sorts of places, right? So I got a question. Um, I don't remember how Andy referred to uh, folks from this geographical region last week, but I don't want to offend anyone. So individuals who perhaps have come from north of Florida. Uh, let's call you that. Uh, anyway, do we have anybody from Pennsylvania? You grew up in Pennsylvania. Anybody? Uh, we got a few of you. All right. Very cool. So here's my follow-up question on that. Maybe you didn't grow up in Pennsylvania. How many Penn State fans do we have? Any Penn State, especially football little smaller crowd than in the last service. We had a lot of Penn State fans in the last one. Any chance we have any Penn State alumni in the room? We do. All right. Very good. Give it up for the one Penn State alumni in the room. So you're going to know this story. You'll probably be very familiar with it. But here's the thing. Uh, if you're even a Penn State football fan, you know this probably as well as anybody. Um, to attend a football game at Beaver Stadium is to discover why it is known as one of the loudest, most intense stadiums in all of college sports. If you weren't aware of this, Beaver Stadium, where Penn State plays their home games, actually holds 110,000 people. Massive. It is often referred to uh, in those uh, circles of college sports as an 11 out of 10 on the intensity meter. Okay, so you're talking about these games get loud. But here's the thing, it wasn't always that way. It wasn't always this, you know, energetic, intense atmosphere uh, that, that took place there. Um, in fact... It was in the 70s, actually the mid-70s, that the cheer squad introduced a simple phrase, a simple cheer, in the hopes that they could actually foster greater engagement and interaction and really change the overall atmosphere of what was going on at these games. It's a simple cheer that anyone from Penn State, uh, anyone who's a Penn State fan uh, is very familiar with. It's one that didn't catch on immediately when it was first introduced in the mid-70s. 
uh, but it's one that today is, is extremely well known. And I want you to hear, uh, while it wasn't always that way, what it has evolved into. So we've got a video of the team coming out, and you're going to hear this simple four-word chant, this cheer that they have as they scream at the top of their lungs. So we're going to crank it up. So if your ears are sensitive, kind of plug them a little bit. But we're going to crank it up, and we're going to let you see this. So let's go ahead and show that video up here. So I don't know if you caught it for sure, but I imagine you probably did. That simple chant was what? We are are Penn State. That's it. We are Penn State. And so now to this day, if you're wearing a Nittany Lions piece of apparel and you walk through a Walmart, there's a good chance somebody's going to walk up to you and go, we are. And you're supposed to say back Penn State, right? It completely changed the atmosphere. Took a little time, but in time, it, it, it revolutionized how they thought of themselves. And, and here's the thing. The cheer was, was more than just a cheer for them. It embodied something bigger. It embodied community and connection. It, it embodied uh, that, that interaction and engagement. So much so that now they even have there on campus a sculpture that simply says, We are. And so they know that's how they're connected. Here's what's really fascinating. Maybe you didn't know this part of the story. When that cheer squad first introduced this cheer, they didn't realize it. They didn't know it at the time. But that cheer hearkened back. It echoed a historical moment that happened about three decades earlier. Because three decades before this statement became a part of Penn State culture and Penn State life. The football team actually had two phenomenal players that happened to be African-American. And at that time in 46, interestingly enough, one of those football players ended up being the first ever draftee as an African-American in the NFL. Not the first ever player, but the first ever draftee. But As they were coming to the close of their season, they were scheduled to play the then still segregated University of Miami. And at the request of the Department of Athletics, Penn State was told, hey, we look forward to you being here, but we would like to ask that you leave your African-American players at home. Their response was a decline, a cancellation of the game, and a letter with four words. We are Penn State. It was a recognition that they were a community, that they were part of something bigger, something greater. It was connection. It was enthusiasm. It was ownership. It was brotherhood. And to this day, it still stands as a case. So for the next few weeks, we're excited about looking at how we are a part of something bigger. We are a part of a community. We are a part of 
a family. We are movement. It's who we are. It's not an organization. It's not a building. It's not programs. It's the people of God. We are movement. And before you kick off on this and like, well, no, I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ. Please understand, when we say we are a movement, what we're saying is we are not just movement church, but we are a movement, the movement that is Christ in the earth, moving and working through his body, through his people. It just so happens that our name is also movement church. We are movement. So I want to encourage you. Not like the, the 70s when they first introduced it, but maybe more like 2022 and that whiteout night that they had. On the count of three, I want you to go ahead and just embody that and just shout out, we are movement. Okay? Can we do that? One, two, three. We are movement. See, I just like it so much. <laughs> Fabulous. And again, we're not talking about just our church. We're talking about the church. And I also want to say this. If you hear that and you're like, oh my gosh, this is the cheesiest Sunday I've ever been to. (laughs) It feels like a cheer. Friend, it is a cheer. The church should be cheering. It's a cheer for others. It's a cheer for Jesus. It is a cheer for a kingdom. It is a cheer for a movement that is bigger than any one of us. And hear me, it is a battle cry that causes all of hell to quake. Because this is a declaration that is not just about who we are as this church, but who we are as the church. We are a movement taking ground for the sake of the gospel. And if you say, whoa, Nate, I'm going to need you to dial it back. (laughs) The next few weeks are going to be hard on you. Because I get excited when we start talking about what the church ought to be. And I rejoice in the fact that I get to say, it's what this church is very much becoming. We are movement. So what? So what, right? Because that's the real question. What does that even mean? We are movement. <laughs> what does that mean? Because that's the core question. I've been reading this brand new book that's wrecking me. But it presents this as the, the, the core question. So if you know the what, you know the why. Really, the, the last question is, so what? Why? What does it matter? What does that mean to be a movement? So for the next few weeks, that's what we're going to talk about. The mission that all of us have as followers of Christ and the mission we have as his church. We're going to talk about those characteristics that are marks of the believer, values that should shape who we are, the way we behave, the way we interact with those in the world around us. We're going to talk about the vision. We're going to celebrate what God has done in the past couple of years. We're going to look ahead to what he's going to do next. And for some of you, some of this is going to be very much review because you heard this, believe it or not. You heard much of this three years ago when we first came and said, this is where we think God is leading. Now we get to say, this is where God has led. Look at what he's done. And now let's anticipate what he's going to do next. Amen. So for you, if this is review, we all need to refresh our course sometimes. Amen. So if it's review, you just go, I've heard this before. I know this. Good for you. You'll pass all the tests. 
with flying colors, you got the cheat sheet. For those of you that this is brand new, welcome. We want you to know what this is all about. And for those of you who are like, I don't know, this is really my vibe. It's just color. I don't know. (laughs) Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. Let's go there together. Mark chapter 12, and we're going to start in verse 28. If you've got a Bible, flip there with us. Those of you online, glad to have you with us as well. You can just click the Bible tab there at the top. Mark chapter 12. And if you don't happen to have a copy of the Bible, that's perfectly fine. We'll have uh, almost all of these scriptures on the screen here for you. Mark chapter 12. Let's start in verse 28. It says this, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. Now, background is this. Jesus is engaged in a a discourse, a dialogue, really, uh, with some other religious leaders. They did this under the guise of sort of having this back and forth. In reality, that was not their intent. These religious leaders are trying to trap Jesus. That's the idea of what's going on here, okay? So that's the background. They're going back and forth, lots of questions, lots of answers. One of the scribes heard this. And seeing that Jesus answered them well, this is fascinating. He asks, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifice. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Pretty solid. So in this simple interaction with a scribe, we're going to talk more about that in a moment. Jesus outlines for us a message. One that is pulled all the way back from Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Jewish law, an eternal truth, God's desire for humanity, the heartbeat of our existence as Christ followers and the reason why the church exists. And those words right there, as well as some others that we'll look at in the days ahead, those words are what have shaped our mission statement. At Movement Church. And to be clear, when we talk about a mission statement, we're not talking about a corporate strategy. Okay? We, we do not decide what we do based on trends and data and culture. We don't decide anything. We follow. We do what we do because Christ has commanded it. And so our mission statement, it's not just a sentence that we plaster on a wall. It's our DNA. It's who we are. It's not words on a page, but an expression of God's heart in and through us to a world around us. 
And so if you aren't familiar with it, today is an opportunity for you to become familiar with it. If you are, again, it's a refresher. You can just go ahead and fill in the blanks as we get to them and shout out the answers as we go because you are amazing. But for the rest of us, our mission is this. We are a movement inviting people to know Jesus. That's what we are. There's more. Don't worry. But I'm not going to give the whole thing away. Got to bury the lead a little bit. We are a movement inviting people to know Jesus. Now, this isn't highlighted or underlined, but it's worth noting because our staff has wrestled with this uh, for three years, honestly, and especially um, in the past several months, kind of reevaluating the front side of this. Not highlighted, underlined, but you may, you may struggle when you hear that we are a movement because that's what we are. That's what the church is. Amen. We're not, a, we're not simply a gathering. We're not just sitting down and doing this on Sunday. I'll touch on that more in a minute. But we're a movement inviting people to know Jesus. That word that we landed on inviting for you may feel like that doesn't feel strong enough. Here's the thing. Whatever word you can come up with, go ahead and put it in there. I don't care because it wasn't a blank anyway. So if you're like, no, we're, we're a movement teaching people. No, we're a movement training people. No, we're a movement encouraging people. No, we're a movement challenging people. Those are all great. I'm good with that. Put whatever you want. But we landed on we're a movement inviting people to know Jesus. Let me tell you why. Because when it all boils down, we're not really doing anything except reflecting him. So when it all comes down to it, all we're really doing is saying, he did this in me. Would you like to know him? Can I tell you about him? At the end of the day, we don't decide who goes. We, we don't decide who's, who's in it. God and God alone is the one who is touching the hearts of men. God and God alone is the one who is drawing all men to himself. Our role is simply to make sure they know there's an invitation. So we are a movement inviting people to know Jesus. Look at verse 30. When asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? He said, the greatest commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So much to unpack there. But he says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your what? Mind. And with all your strength. Nate, you said that our mission is we're a movement inviting people to know Jesus. That says love the Lord your God. I know. Hang with me. That word that Jesus uses is a word that we are familiar with if we've spent more than eight seconds in church. It's a word we've heard talked about many times. It's the love of God that is agape, right? In this context, though, I want you to catch something. Jesus is giving an instruction to man. And he says, you shall agapao. That's the verb tense there, so we have to change it a little bit. Agapao. So now he's talking not about how God loves us, right? But how we should love God. He says, love the Lord your God, agapao. This is what's fascinating. That word means to take pleasure in, to long for. For the Christ follower specifically, agapao means, I love this, actively doing what the Lord prefers. Oh boy. 
So to love God is not necessarily to lift up your hands and sing a song unless that's what he prefers. You're like, no, that's always worship. That's always loving God. That's always knowing God. Not if he's told you to serve. If you're in a room with your hands lifted high singing Jesus songs when you know in your heart he's told you to serve by teaching our young ones taking their first steps in Christ, you're not loving God. You're loving yourself. You're loving what you want to do to love God. I should stop because they don't. I'm afraid I'm going to get cut. Keep going. Okay. What else do we have? Let's go to page three. No. (laughs) To love God is to do what he prefers. And it's to do what he prefers in all arenas, in every aspects, in the totality of who we are as mankind. Love, do what the Lord prefers with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That means that we are to do as he prefers in the public spaces. That means we are to do as he prefers in the private spaces. When we think nobody else is watching and we think we can get away with this, to know him, to love him is to do as he prefers. Why? Because love, I know we know this, right? You've heard this a hundred times. Love is not an emotion. We all know that, right? Amen? Our culture has told us otherwise. It has broken the the very fabric and understanding of love. But we know love is not an emotion. But let me take it a step further. Love is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's an expression of commitment. That's what love is. Love is I will do this thing when my preference is otherwise. That's love. That's what it means to love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's to come to a place of knowing him in such a way that we do what he desires. I think of it this way. Uh, Y'all seen this bag before. I used this illustration before. But like I said, some of this will be refreshing. This is a representation of um, the relationship between myself And that beautiful lady right down there on the front row. Back from when we first started dating. These are knocking on 30 years old. That I've got. Who whistled? Shame on you. (laughs) He's so old. I'm kidding. But these are. uh, These are all kinds of. Some of these are just cards. uh, with, With notes inside. I'm not going to read to you because it's none of your business. Um, Some are cards. Some are just simple little notes uh, that she slid in my locker between classes. Uh, Some are actual letters that she sent to me uh, in the mail. Um, Just all kinds of just really cool stuff. And like I said, some of them are simple. Uh, Some of them are, you know, there's not a whole lot of stuff going on in there. But What's fascinating about these and others that I have at home is every single one of them represent me coming to understand her more. Every single one of these letters allowed me to know her. What she liked, what she didn't like, where she had been and what she hoped for in the future. Every single one of these letters let me know what made her laugh. And the knowing 
allowed me to connect with her on a deeper level. The knowing informed my loving. Are y'all with me? So to know her was to love her, to love her was to know her. They were connected, they were intertwined. These letters informed my actions as well. They didn't just inform my understanding, my understanding informed how I behaved. It meant that I knew, don't buy her roses because she doesn't like roses. She likes wildflowers. It let me know that specifically when it comes to flowers, she loves Gerbera daisies. It let me know that when she wants a snack, she likes cracker combos, not the pretzel ones because those are nasty to her. I love the pretzel ones, so whatever. But cracker combos and a black, uh, blackberry clearly Canadian. It's, that's how I learned these things. It's how I learned that she adored her grandfather. It's how I learned that she absolutely, I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again because I can. It's how I learned that she despises the word moist. <laughs> that, that like just, this, just saying moist <laughs> just makes her skin crawl. And the fact that I would even say it in a service, RJ makes her pray that I won't say the word moist again. Somebody else just went, oh, stop it. All kidding aside, it was... Loving her that made me want to know her. And knowing her made me love her more. And that knowing allowed me, hear me, to actively take pleasure in doing what she preferred as a demonstration of my love for her. See, that's what we need to understand This command of God from the Old Testament repeated here by the Son is an invitation, yes, to love Him, but to know Him, heart, soul, mind, and strength with our whole self so that we love Him by living our lives in a manner that is pleasing to Him. How? Well, Jesus said it in John 14, 6. We're going to talk about these more next week. Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How about John 17, 3 that says this, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Plainly, simply, to love God is to know Jesus. And that is why it is our mission. That we are a movement inviting people to know Jesus because one cannot know. I don't want to get, get away with next week, but one cannot know God apart from Jesus. It's not possible. Jesus, the most powerful expression of love the world has ever witnessed, and at the forefront of everything we do must be that urgent, pressing desire that people would know him. Because hear me. Everything else the church does makes up a part of who the church is. Community, fellowship, interaction, teaching, and those are all good. But hear me, none of those matter if there isn't an urgent pressing desire in us that others know him too. 
Because all of those should inform our actions to make sure others know Jesus and experience the transformation of whole self like we have. Heart revived, soul restored, mind renewed. We're a movement inviting people to know Jesus. And the outflow of that is that they would love others. We're a movement inviting people to know Jesus and love others. We all know you can't force someone to love someone. No matter how hard you twist that arm, no matter how much you put your kids in front of one another after a fight and say, tell each other you love each other, you put them in a shared t-shirt until they get over it, no matter what you do, that's one of our staff families that did that with their kids when they were little. It's hilarious. But the thing is this, when we introduce people to Jesus and they come to know him, heart, soul, mind, and strength, they begin to love others in a way they wouldn't have before. Jesus says, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Don't need to preach it, just need to state it. Who's your neighbor? Anyone in your sphere of influence, that's your neighbor. Jesus wasn't talking about a literal go knock on the door to your left and knock on the door to your right. That may be them too. Then anyone who you spend time with and around, that's your neighbor. And what we need to understand is that to love others is, first of all, to love others in relationship. We have, especially, hear me, especially when we're talking about the Lord's church. We have to do life with. Everybody say with. We have to do life with one another in order to be the church. We have to. You cannot, hear me, you cannot be a Christ follower in isolation. You can't. And if that's offensive to you, don't be. Hear me, don't be offended. Because if anybody needs this message, it's your pastor. You cannot do Christianity. You cannot walk with Christ in isolation. It has to be with And I'll take it a step further. The church will also never become all that it should if this is our only version of with. If a Sunday gathering is our only version of with, we're not going to become what Jesus intended for us to become. And don't hear me wrong. We don't all have to do life all together. At Movement Church, you know, roughly a thousand people don't need to all, well, whose house are we going to this week? Lance, you cooking the barbecue? All right, right? We don't all have to do life all together. But we need pockets of consistent connection, accountability, community, and relationship. That's what it means to be the church. That we would know Jesus, that we would love others in relationship. I think of it with my kids. They're all growing up. They're all doing their own thing. My oldest one is right on the verge of like moving out, moving out, getting his own apartment. And like that's hard, but it's encouraging too. My, my two youngest that I used to be like, well, the oldest is off. Now I can just, now they're getting busy. And they're involved in student government. And they have clubs that they lead at school. And they leave the house at 6.40 in the morning to go to school. And then they have their clubs and they come home. 
or they go volunteer with Good News Club or uh, they're volunteering and working here at the church and then they go home and study and go to bed. And it's hard because some days it's like I don't really get to be with them. But what I love is the intentionality that they show sometimes because sometimes my baby girl, she'll finish up with her homework. She'll take a shower and then she'll come down the steps and she'll have a smile on her face and she'll say, I'm all done. Hour before bedtime, she'll come over and she'll sit on the couch and she'll lay her damp hair against my shoulder. And she'll say, Daddy, it's moist hair. It was back there. Who was it? Raise your hand. It was Don Deweese. You can talk to him. What is wrong with us? I love this church so much. Y'all are the best. Anyway, she'll look up at me with those beautiful blue eyes and she'll say, Daddy, I love you. Can we just snuggle for a minute? Or my, my, my youngest will come and he's got all kinds of projects. And one of the best things is when he says, I've been working on this thing with our family tree or I've been working on, you know, this thing with Latin, but dad, I want you to see it. Will you come look? Or when he comes and says, hey, dad, I had a couple of free minutes. You want to play Mario Kart? Sure. Yeah, I'll play Mario Kart with you. I got a sermon to prep for Sunday, but I'm playing Mario Kart. <laughs> right? Why? Because that's what we live for is the with moments. That's what the church needs. To love others is to invest our time. It's to set aside the thing we're doing when someone cries out for us. It's to cry together. It's to be angry together. It's to rejoice together. It's to celebrate with expectation together. And hear me, people are desperately longing for that connection. And you're going to hear in the weeks ahead how I'm grateful we're getting in a, a place where we can introduce some new things and reintroduce some things that we haven't been able to do following the storm, some pathways for you to plug in and do life with others. We're thrilled about that. But listen, it's a two-way thing. I do want to say this. You have to engage. You can't just walk away and say, well, the church didn't. Well, did you even try? Did you even try to do life with anybody? Well, no. I didn't know there were groups. There are. There's your announcements. We'll have more in weeks ahead. But we have to engage in that. In relationship and on mission. We love others in relationship. And we love others on mission. Simply stated, to love is to give ourselves away. To love others is to give ourselves away. Jesus uses the exact same word here, agapao, which kind of wrecks things a little bit, doesn't it? Because what did we just say that means? Agapao means to actively do as the Lord desires. And then he says, and love your neighbor. Agapao your neighbor. <laughs> but you mean I have to, mm, I have to actively do what you desire with them too? Now for some of our neighbors, that's easy. Amen? There are some people in your circles, it's easy. God says, do this. You're like, yeah, I'm happy to do it. There are some people in your circles 
that God says, do this, and you go, I don't want to, because they're stupid. Let's just be, let's, listen, this is a church where we're going to be honest. You're you're not going to sit here and tell me everyone in your sphere of influence is just your bestie. No, there's some people in your sphere of influence that you would rather punch them in the throat than fix a cake for them. Amen? My wife probably wants to punch Don DeWeese for saying moist. But, but it's actively doing what the Lord desires in response to our neighbors. And we, at Movement Church, we want people to discover the richness of that blessing. Uh, of looking at, at interactions and relationships, not seeking to invest or gain, but instead, or excuse me, to, to, to receive or to gain, but instead to invest and give ourselves away. Not looking at relationships as, what can I get from you? But instead saying, God, what can I do for them? How can I serve them? And how can I serve and love them well? And serving and loving well means that you have to serve and love well some neighbors who look different than you. Amen? Amen. It means we have to serve and love well some neighbors who think differently than us. Amen. It means to serve and love them well means that we'll have to do that with neighbors who vote differently than us. Every single time. I will cast that demon out in Jesus' name. And that's like a ha ha ha. I'm not kidding. Like, I'm dead serious about that. It, it is funny to me how quickly we'll draw lines and stop serving people just because we don't like the way they think. Jesus never called us to serve those who think the way we already think. Somebody served you when you thought differently. Let me put it the way Paul puts it. When you were still an enemy of God, Someone served you. That, those are intense words, right? I'm going to move on. I love you. <laughs> I like the way Vernon Whaley puts this. He wrote, Dr. Vernon Whaley wrote a beautiful book called The Great Commission to Worship. And he says this, If an individual falls in love with Christ and seeks to glorify his name, he or she will in turn express that same love for neighbors who invade their lives on a daily basis. And that's how it feels sometimes, doesn't it? Sometimes it feels like this interruption. What if we stopped just seeing those moments as interruptions and put one simple word before that and started seeing them as holy interruptions? What what if that coworker or that family member, that brother, that sister, that sibling, that parent, that child, uh, that person that you come into contact with every week at a restaurant you go to, what, what if... That disruption that came to us, what if we paused and went, wait, God, what are you doing here? And said, maybe this is my opportunity to love others. Why? Because we've experienced love. 
when we were all together unlovable. Again, to echo the words of Paul, of which I am chief. I know how very unlovable I have been in my life. I'm not saying it's a whole lot better now, but I know. And I know that it was the love of Jesus through others, one of which is sitting right there on that front row, that drew me to him. Now, the wrestling part is this. Nate, I don't know if I can. You can't. That's the whole point. That's why he uses that word agapao, because it's not about your love for them, it's about his love through you to them. See, here's the thing, we put this in your notes so you have it, but if we're struggling to love our neighbor, it isn't that we need to try harder. It's that we need to fall more in love with Jesus. He'll do the rest of the work. He will do the rest of the work in us, through us. And please hear me, I want to say this. I know, we're, we're, we've had fun, so we're running rough on time, but I'm going to say this. To love is not to agree. Okay? To love someone is not to necessarily agree with everything. So when we say to, to serve and love well is to serve and love someone who votes differently than you or thinks different. That does not, loving them does not mean that you're just saying, oh yeah, that's good. We can just, everything's fine. Everything's rosy. But to love them does mean that there's a change in our tone. That when we engage with them, they hear that we're not just trying to prove a point. That we genuinely love them and want them to see where the difference is between what they're saying and what we know to be true. It changes how we interact with them. It doesn't change what we believe. It doesn't mean that we condone behaviors or decisions or actions. It means that we say, I disagree, and can I show you why? You see the difference? So we are a movement inviting people to know Jesus, love others, and we'll close with this today. And to live changed. Why? Because it's constant. Because it's ongoing. Because it's never that, ooh, I'm done. Everything's all wrapped up. No, if it's all wrapped up, you're with Jesus. Okay? Otherwise, we should be changing. Hear me. We should be changing to become more like Christ until the moment of our last breath. That's, that's what sanctification is. That's what that big fancy theological word means. That we're changing to become more like him. That we would live changed. Now catch this. This is where we see this in this interaction. This is where the live change comes from. This individual that Jesus is talking to is a what? A scribe, right? So a scribe is essentially a religious lawyer. Or a Jewish lawyer, someone who is an expert in Jewish law. The scribe would have been someone that would have been uh, consulted in regards to contracts for marriage or divorce or for inheritance or acquisitions of land and the sale of land. The, the, the scribes would have been experts on what you as a Jew should and shouldn't eat, what you should and shouldn't touch. They would have known all of these things. And this scribe, this expert in the Jewish law, asks one question. 
What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus then summarizes this young man's entire life work. The understanding and interpretation of over 600 Jewish laws. He summarizes it down to this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And in that moment, the response of the scribe was change. The scribe said, you're right. You're right. The scribe said, I've been searching my entire life trying to figure this out. I've been trying to fill this weird void inside of me by doing, by behaving, by acting, by trying to meet certain standards and and prove that I know these things. But, But you're right. It's God is one and I should love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I should love my neighbor as myself. Not only does he say you are right, but look at this. He says, the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. This is no small thing what happens right here. Please don't overlook this interaction. Because the fact that an expert in Jewish law in this single interaction now refers to this man that he's been listening to as rabbi. He now sits at his feet. That's it, you're right, Rabbi. Tell me more. Everything about him changed in this moment. You're right, teacher. And to love God with all the heart, understanding, and strength, to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. He says, this, this what you just said, Jesus, it's above everything else, and I get it now. Everything this man has ever known and understood changed in a moment. And from that point on, he lived changed. That's how we're supposed to live. That's how we're supposed to live daily. We should be in this constant state of what does Jesus say? Because you notice that Jesus' response after this young man, after this uh, Jewish scribe said this, Jesus' response was, you got it. Now you're not far from the kingdom. Now you understand. That's what we should be asking. What does Jesus say? Not what, what, does, not what does the education system say. Not what does the government say. Not what does a political party say. Not what does culture say. Not, here, I'm even going to say this. Not what does the denomination say. I am proud that we are Alliance. That we are the Christian Missionary Alliance. But listen, the the greater question we need to be asking is what does Jesus say? How does he view this? And then and only then will we too live changed. And that's what we're inviting others to. To experience the same life change through worship, through prayer, through service, through community, through accountability, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Their whole self completely changed. Amen? We are movement. It's who we are. 
inviting people to know Jesus, love others, and live changed. Now hear me. Our hope is that you will walk away and you will memorize that statement because it is really a summary of Scripture. And that when people ask you, what is Movement Church about? That you can say, man, we're just a movement inviting people to know Jesus, love others, and live changed. Like, well, I can tell them about it. No, no, no. That it would be that simple. But even more than that, when people say, what are you about? That you would be able to say, I just want people to know Jesus and love others and live changed. Now, don't get me wrong. There's going to be a quiz on it next week. But, but the quiz is not to inform your intellect. The quiz is to shape your heart. But at the very core of that statement, we are movement. There has to be a prayer that every single one of us participate in, and it's this. Move me. Because we can never be a movement if our prayer is not, Lord, move me just as David cried out in Psalm chapter 9. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Amen? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, but you've been coming around this crowd of nuts long enough to say there's something about this that I want to be a part of, I want to know this Jesus, I want to, I want to at least ask some questions. Listen, please don't leave today without at least sending us a text. Even better, come talk to one of us. There are people with blue lanyards on that you can grab and talk to. But know this. If you are a follower of Christ, let's wrestle with this question. Are we attending church or are we part of a movement? Because we're not interested in simply having church. We want to be the movement God has called us to be. Amen. Amen? Amen? Father, we love you. We thank you for this precious time together. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you guys. We love you so much. Have an awesome week.